Good evening and welcome to episode 48 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantongwa Kumalo. Well, I know that we had a different guest that we wanted to speak to this evening, but it is winter. And with winter, of course, comes load shedding. And unfortunately, of course, he is currently being load shed and unable to speak to us today. But of course, the show must always continue. We've got another special guest this evening who will be talking to us about all things property. So you don't need to miss anything that has to do with property this evening. But before we get started with today's show and today's topic, of course, you know, we'll be giving away that 5,000 Rand prize at the end of the show uh, for the next nine episodes. So the first one, of course, was yesterday. And for the next nine episodes, Episodes we were giving away that 5,000 Rand prize. So you do not want to miss that one towards the end of the show. It's always exciting to give away money. I wish I was getting some of this money and I'm going to keep saying this for as long as we give away money. One day we'll probably even give away a house. I certainly look, um, you know, I'm quite excited, looking forward to it. Um, but that is, of course, something to look forward to later on on the show. But for now, we're going to be talking from banking to property investor tips for dealing with the banks. And my guest this evening is Iko Quagrain, who is the founder of B Grand Holdings. And we'll be really unpacking, you know, some of the, certainly reflecting on his journey from banking and moving into property investment, some of the nuggets that he's been able to pick up along the way, but also some tips. I think one of the big things, a lot of us who have an interest in property or property investors ourselves, tend to have issues with the banks. You know, we sometimes don't quite know how to relate to the banks. We don't know how to make the business case for some of the properties that you want to add. So we really want to know what are some of the things that banks look out for. This is a man who's been on the other side and we want to hear all from him. So all those tips and tricks that will help you in dealing with the bank is what we're going to be talking about this evening. That's what's on the menu this evening. Echo, thank you so much for joining us, especially on such short notice. Uh, thank you very much. And good evening to your viewers as well. I think let's, before we even get to property and how you can, you know, uh, take advantage or have a better relationship with your banks or how you even present a business case for some of the, you know, rental properties that one wants to add into their portfolio. Let's perhaps look a little bit. I mean, you went from banking. How, what are some of the transactions that you're even dealing with in banking and what prompted you to go into property investments? I mean, I know a lot of my banker friends don't want to quite leave banking. I feel like banking is one of those, you certainly can't stay for too long. Uh, but they certainly are not walking away uh, from it that easily. Yes. So, uh, so a bit of it, banking came naturally because uh, I, I, I loved finance. So just start from, from varsity, went to VIT, did applied math, got degree, had a honest degree in math applied to Red Merchant Bank, got into Red Merchant Bank and became a leverage financier. The kind of deals that we worked on is, you know, we, we, I was on the preferences side of business where you, we, we assist companies to list, you know, their BE shares on, on JSE. So those are the kind of deals that we worked. And then later before I left R&B was I, I, I I, I moved from local to Africa, where I was, I used my, my, my Ghanaian background, I'm a, I'm a Ghanaian, so went into Ghana and tried to find some deals and brought it into, into R&B before, before I left to, to F&B. As a, so as F&B, when I went into F&B, as a to one of the products had 
called Jans Kumbi. And then within three months, then moved on, got promoted to be uh, a business development manager for FMB Africa. So you 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 business development manager for FMB Africa, but now you're a property investor. What yes. made you you know take that leap? You certainly have the passion, have the inclination for finance. I know a lot of finance guys are certainly able to you know structure property deals quite well because they understand the numbers, so they don't struggle on that. But and we're going to get to tips on that because I think that the number side unfortunately doesn't come as easily to some of us. I certainly, I mean, I know a lot of people who certainly follow me on my Twitter know how much I complain about real estate finance. So it, yes. it, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. Um, yes. But certainly to, I mean, for you, certainly, you know, it came, came naturally. But then, of course, you moved to, to property. How did that leap come about? I mean, what prompted you to, to leave, uh, you know, banking in its, almost in its entirety, essentially, and go into the property sector? Yes. So when I was a child, uh, growing up in the Ghanaian neighborhood, you know, I wouldn't say we were poor and I wouldn't say we were rich, so middle class. Middle class. So yeah. my mom never had, had a car and all our neighbors, there was like every single house, there was a car, you know. So I asked my mom this question. I said to my mom, why don't you buy a car? My dad is a teacher and my dad has also been a very big factor in my life. But let's start with the property story. So I asked my mom, why don't you get a car because you're a secretary and you're doing well. And she, she turned, looked at me and see, she said, if I don't own this house, there's no way I'm buying a car. So I asked her why. She said, you need to, when you grow up and you want to do anything, you need to think of the four basic needs of human beings, which is shelter, food, water and electricity and clothing. So if you don't, and I'm, I'm, and so when she was talking, I'm talking then, she says, right now what I need is shelter. And if we don't own this shelter, I can't buy a car. And that thing stayed on my mind until uh, like as, as, I grew, as I grew up. So to me, property, not only a passion, but it's also something that uh, like was implanted in me uh, when I was when I was when I was young, so that every time when I started and when I got into banking and I started unpacking certain portfolios, I realized that there's no wealthy person on this earth that doesn't have a property portfolio. And because property is tangible, you can see where your money is going, and that actually escalated my love for property. And I think, you know, oftentimes and there's that quote that tends to make the rounds about, I think, something like the top 10% or whatever percentile of the world's millionaires or billionaires all have quite a substantial property portfolio. And certainly a lot of us who are young and are in property also sort of hold on to that, that your know, property, as much as you can invest in REITs or even in the stock market or other asset classes, this is something that is quite tangible. You know that it's going to be there. We've certainly seen the historical data when it comes to the rise of property prices and the rise of you know how the value of each property. So you, you know you can bet on a property and for the most part, your bet will you know come true, especially if you run your numbers adequately and you buy at the right price point. So the odds of you sort of not making um, certain, um, certain inroads in terms of value on a property tend to be relatively less than other um, asset classes. And for other people, you know, other asset classes 
do tend to be um, quite complicated. Whereas for property, you pretty much understand that you get a bond, you rent it out, somebody's essentially paying from your bond and yes. you want the bond amount to, all, I mean, the rental amount to not only cover the bond, but also other things that of course go with home ownership. So now yes. you start big grand holdings and you branch off into you know real estate. What yes. exactly are the, some of the services um, that B Grand Holdings essentially explores in the property space. So we do we do property management. So on behalf of third parties, we also do student accommodation. And the student accommodation basically is finding properties that are closer to varsities, and then we structure a deal. So when 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 I got out, one of the first things I did was to go into Bramfontein because I went to VIT. So I understood the Bramfontein market very well. And then what I then did is identified certain properties and then I went and uh, traced the owners and showed them a model. So I, I, I gave them a proposition in sense of, so the basic question I asked them was, where, what kind of rentals are you getting now? And if I can show you how to double your profit, would you listen to me? And 98% and of the time, Majority of them said yes. So then I, before I went there, I'd already done models in terms of if you have a student, this is how much you can charge. This is your expenses, your property administrative expenses, your management administrative expenses. And how do you mirror those two to end up making substantial profits? Because at the end of the day, as much as students are paying, and not paying in the sense of, but you know, they, some students are careless and they're going to damage things, but how do you get a sense or a model that will, that will incorporate all those kind of little expenses that's going to come about? And that's what I did. So eventually I got people to listen to me and then I started managing from one property to the next and the rest they say it's history. And I think, you know, one of the things I, I as a Vitsi myself, I also have quite an intimate understanding, uh, certainly of that Bramfontein, uh, you know, space. And I think a lot of us who enter property and especially look into student accommodation, use our own university, you know, background to tap into a particular market because we understand it. We've seen what happens. We know when the peak and the off-peak times are, and we know what the student sentiment in that particular area is. So of course you're now in on the other side uh, in terms of financing. I mean, you certainly used to be the banker and people yeah. would essentially come to you. You were talking earlier about how you were in the leverage financing um, you know, department. And I actually want to uh, certainly a bit later on to talk about how people can even leverage their portfolio to get more properties. Because I think it's one of those areas where you now have perhaps three or four properties in your portfolio, but you don't quite understand how to leverage off of them to add more properties onto your portfolio. And it's certainly some of the tips that we certainly need from somebody who has a banking background and, and can give us some of the insights. Perhaps let's look then into what are some of the things that certainly as consumers or property investors or people who are interested in property, what are, what are some of the things that we should be watching out for or be mindful of when we approach the bank? Um, especially as you've said, so you, you are a professional and so you certainly have a particular background in your case, it's banking, somebody else, it might be engineering or medicine, but you now have maybe a little bit of knowledge around how property works and you want to approach a bank because 
you want to tap into property, but you're not quite sure how to approach that conversation. How do we, what are some of the first things we need to look out for when we initiate that conversation with the bank uh, for that first uh, property proposition that we're going to make to the bank? Okay, so I'll, I'll answer your question in two folds. So the first thing you have to look out for is to look after yourself. So take care of yourself, right? And by taking care of yourself, I mean your credit record needs to be clean. That's the first step because you're going to a bank and the bank is going to first judge you or look at you before they look at your value proposition. So once that's sorted, then you go into your value prop. As a banker, what I need is my money and my interest, the capital, the opportunity cost, the capital, the interest that I'm going to charge on that money. So if you come in as a business person and you can demonstrate the fact that you can actually pay my money and still have some free cash flow in your pocket, that gives me some kind of comfort. So, so when I started, I developed a system called the 8020 principle. The 8020 principle basically says to me and uh, that if I'm buying a property in an area on average, so before I bought my first property, by the way, I looked at a hundred properties before I bought my first property. And there's an art and science behind why I looked at a hundred property. And I'll take you through that. But basically, on, let's say on average, a property rental, because I was looking at the rental market as opposed to, so I was buying properties with my mind as opposed with my heart. And with my heart means I'm not buying the place that, yes, I want to sleep, my perfect home and the rest. I'm buying for a business. So if I'm buying for business, it must make business sense to the person that's going to lend me money. That's one. So, uh, so, so basically, when, 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 then when I got, when I did my 100 house rules principle, then you find an average. So let's say if your average rental in that area is 10,000 rand, right? I take the 10,000 rand and I multiply by 80. When I get 80, so it means you get 800,000. As, an, as, a, as a tycoon investor, you do not need to purchase anything more than 800,000 in that area that you're looking for. Whether it's a warehouse, whether it's apartment, you need to find the kind of, the, and the property market is broad. So you need to find the market that suits you, that you love doing. It can be retail, it can be office, uh, um, uh, um, um, office space, it can, be, it can be just residential. So there's, it can be warehouses. So there's a lot for everyone. There's enough for everyone to partake, depending on where your, your passion is. So once, once I did that, so now you get the, the 800,000, meaning I do not have to buy that property past 800,000. Why? Because on average, if I take money from the bank, they will ask me, so on a monthly mortgage principle, around 8,000 rand, right? It means that I've got a surplus 2,000 rand. That helps me in the sense that if the market is trading at 10,000, I can still sell, I can still rent my properties for 9,000 rand and still make profit, which I wouldn't do though, but it just gives you that room and that confidence. So that is, that is what you want. You want to be, when they say calculated risk, it's basically to be very, very sure that no matter what happens, you've got some leg to stand on. 
and and if you can demonstrate that to the bank you're already in the money echo you're actually giving me flashbacks of my real estate finance class uh i i have been crying about it on social media and if anything these are some of the calculations that we do you know you run different models and you try to find certainly certain averages and aggregate it and get a sense of what that sweet spot is and whether the market goes up or down or when you raise finance whether it's bank finance and making sure at which ltv are you going to make maximum yeah. gains so all those factors are certainly you know it's giving me flashbacks i, I recently had to submit an assignment <laughs> Literally, of all these things, uh, and if anything, it gave me quite a number of sleepless nights. We're going to go to a quick break, and when we come back, I'll still, I'll still be in conversation with Echo Quagrain, who we're talking about certainly getting tips uh, from somebody who's been in banking and is now as a property investor on how to deal with the bank and the different ways uh, that you should be looking at your property portfolio, especially the finance side. I think. A lot of us probably aren't that strong on the finance side and there are different creative things that you can do to, to model for you know, your property investments for certain areas and even nice sweet spots that you're able to land to. And the moment you understand the numbers quite intimately, it's easy for you before you even go view a property. As soon as you go to privateproperty.ca.za, you view a property, it's already easy for you to say, actually, no, I'm not interested in that one and scale down your search because it's going to then meet your particular criteria. We're going to go for a quick break. We'll be back after this. Of course, we'll be taking your questions and comments when we come back. dealing with the banks, whether you're a property investor, uh, you know, a very seasoned one, or you're a newbie or like myself, or you're kind of in between, you know, you've certainly bought a couple of properties, you've learned quite a bit, you're now looking to scale and really grow your property portfolio. Maybe like me, you're a bit uh, intimidated when it comes to some of the finance side. This is the episode that you want to listen to or even watch. Of course, we are streaming live on Facebook and YouTube. So to all our Facebook and YouTube viewers, good evening. We are, of course, taking your questions and comments from both platforms. So do send them through. And shortly later on in the show, we are also going to be giving away that 5,000 Rand prize for the next nine episodes. You certainly do not want to miss that one question. Um, here, Iko coming in from Suraya uh, Subrati, who asks, if you're renting and paying 5,000 Rand rent per month and have bad credit, is there still a possibility that you can qualify to purchase a house in that price range? So it's okay. essentially looking at the about 500, maybe yes. up to 60,000 Rand price range. Yes, you, uh, yes, there is a possibility. Of course, it takes hard work, but there is a possibility. So I don't know if... Let me break it down. So there's, there's a system called uh, installment sales in property, whereby you can actually buy a property, but using 
the lend or the sellers or the the the, the sellers credit record, which I've used I've, I've used that system and it works perfectly. But of course, you need to have the right accountant, you need to have the right lawyers to put in the necessary agreement so that you don't get screwed. Because there are other people that are also, you know, not very honest people out there. There's a whole lot of good, honest people out there, but you don't want to meet a dishonest person. So, so with that, most of the time, those kind of deals can be done when the property is unbonded, meaning maybe it's an old neighborhood or a, um, a person bought the property cash and they willing to exit or they don't need, not, they don't really need hefty cash at the moment. Then, somebody who doesn't need the liquidity right now, because oftentimes the moment it's bonded, you need that cash to free up liquidity in your yes. own balance. So you're yes. looking for somebody who isn't in a hurry to get the liquidity. They certainly wanted perhaps to accrue interest, but they're not needing it right now to finance another deal. Or that person is a very good business person that want to use that as a tax benefit because you need to look at that also. So yes. there's a whole lot of, and that's again, you need to do your research so that you can know what kind of proposition would you give to the seller or the person you want to negotiate the deal with. So if you understand your, your, your business and you understand the environment, you will know that here, this person might not need the money, but they're running a business and they might need that as a tax break to get relieved from, from SARS. So those are the kind of uh, propositions that you need to look into, but it is very possible. It takes hard work because market is flooded with people that want to, like you said, the liquidity, they want to sell, they want to move to another place, or they basically just want to get out of the deal and they just want to pay the bank. But there is, she can, she can do that. And also there's another possibility which people often use it. It's called uh, rent with an option to buy, the rent to buy. The rent to buy option, yes. The rent to buy option. So, so she can basically utilize that. But again, she needs to find herself a good agent that's going to be able to be there if she has never been in the property market or done any transaction. She needs a very trustworthy agent that understands the market, that's, that's done this several times, that, that will be able to help her to structure the deal or him to structure the deal properly with the seller. It is possible. We've got another question here uh, from Kay Fortune. Uh, she says, my house is fully paid. What liquidity is there in it? And she goes, she went on to say, if I own a property that I'm living in now, how can I use this to my advantage? So you've already got the asset, it's fully paid up. What are some of the creative financing things you can do, whether to unlock liquidity, liquidity um, or tap into uh, you know, the value of the property in order for you to potentially finance other deals? Okay, so that's, that's, that's very good because if she's got that property fully paid off, depending on her age and depending on her uh, credit history and financial situations that she is in now, she can do what we call refinancing. So basically she goes to the bank and she says, I've got this property and I would like to refinance it. What the bank would then do is that they will send an assessor to come and assess the property. And whatever money that's in, the bank will then give out that money. So they're giving out the equity portion in the form of cash. So they, she's, not, she's not going to sell it out, but will be able to use that money 
to then buy other properties. So that's what she can do. Or if the property that she stays in has a big uh, space, she can also refinance the property and develop units at the back of the property and rent them out. So there's so many models that you can explore, but she is in a probably a fantastic, a fantastic space now that she can actually get enough money from the bank. And I certainly agree with you. I think a lot of investors certainly want to find themselves with a paid off property uh, or certainly a property that's close to being paid off or access to that kind of property because there's so many different ways that you can unlock value in it and use that money to, to potentially structure other deals or do other things with that particular um, money. We've got another question here coming in from Shagong, uh, Shagong who asks, do skilled investors still use bond originators or do they sit face-to-face -face with credit, credit managers? Okay, so... It depends on how your business is modeled. Because with us, for example, at Begrand, we've got, we, at APSA, we've seen as a bond originator. So it just depends on how. But you can use, and that's what I said, you need to have an agent that's got your best interest at heart. And you've got good bond originators there that can actually be able to convince the bank if you explain to them and you give them all the information that's required will be able to convince the bank better than you would convince the bank to unlock capital for you because they've got existing relationships with the banks. They understand they've done this several times with the banks. So they know what the bank is looking for. They know how to structure the deals for the banks. But sometimes what I found personally and my side is I, I think there are people out there who are just like me that prefer the face-to-face -face with the bank to know they enjoy closing deals on their personal level and will get, you know, some kind of um, enjoyment and contentment out of it. So that you can still approach the bank directly, but if you, that kind of a person that knows yourself, you know, you know your strength and you think that you need somebody to hold your hand, then it's better to find a very good bond originator. That's a seasoned bond originator that's done this several times that will be able to assist you in your journey. And, and also, I, yeah, and also and a very I, good estate agent that will be able to assist you as well. And I think, you know, Echo, so you certainly, so even for viewers at home, I'm sure you're thinking, well, I certainly want to get to that point where I'm comfortable enough and confident enough to deal with the bank on a one-on-one -on -one basis and even know what to say and how yes. to say it um, yes. and how to, uh, to have a that particular conversation i'm just not at this level certainly right now where i feel confident or knowledgeable knowledgeable enough to be able to do so what would be the starting point in getting us certainly to where you are because i think a lot of people certainly want to be at that level where you use a bond originator to your discretion but you certainly have the skill to be able to engage with the bank on a one-on-one -on -one level Okay, so if you do not know what kind of questions to ask, by the way, within the bank itself, there are very good sales agents in the bank, home loan sales agents. That will give you actually one of the best advice, critical advice to sharpen your skills or to get your, your credentials ready, to get your staff ready to present to the bank. So the bank itself, remember the bank is there uh, to to gain more clients and they do what they can to help the client to assess, to understand the product that they're selling so that it makes it easy for them to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction with their clients. 
that's what the banks are there for. They, 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 their doors are always open to have that kind of relationship. They're relationship bankers and that and banking, and that's what they do. So you can get the salespeople in the bank to help you, or like I said, you can then get a bond originator or an estate agent that's been doing this a couple of times. That's that's basically that's what the person does every single day. And say to that person, I would like to learn. I'm not confident in the way of approaching the bank. I will come, would you, would you mind if I come with you to sit with you when you talk into the bank so that I can take some notes? People are there to, to teach that you'll be amazed the kind of reception you will get when you want to learn from people. And, and, and because at the end of the day, you're not really infringing on their business because, you know, that's how I look at life. And by impacting knowledge on into somebody goes a long way. So I think that you find a mentor. They always say find a mentor. And the mentor doesn't have to be somebody that's every day in your life, but you can find mentors in every situation that you find yourself in. And that will be the advice that I can give. I can already tell uh, viewers at home, I'll reach out to Echo, Echo myself uh, and, and, and I'll sit next to him when he talks to the banks and I'll share some of the insights that I learned from him. Echo, before I let you go, any other tips you'd like our viewers at home to, to know and always remember when they're dealing with the bank, uh, whether it's certainly somebody who's starting off or somebody who's slightly more seasoned, but obviously wants to be sharpened. I think we're all learning and there are all these different ways you can you know, approach whether the bank or even different stakeholders in the property value chain, any tips for them that you'd like to leave them with before we wrap up today's show? Okay, so we, yeah, so the number one tip will be when you go to the bank, find out if you're getting a cent from you, if the bank is going to charge you a cent, how do you get two cents, basically? So go with that, with that value prop that says your cash flow model needs to be sharp to say, if I get 50 cents from the bank, Echo is going to pay me one rent, so therefore I'll be able to pay the bank 50 cents every, every time. Or if not, actually give the bank 80 cents so that I can get out of this deal as quickly as possible. So that's one. And also research, research, do your homework, read. There's a whole lot of, the internet have made things possible. I mean, in 2008, when I started looking for properties and started buying properties in 2010, Private property was around, but it wasn't, you know, the data was not that rich. These days, you can get anything on private property. So go on to private property, do your research, find an area that you want to invest in, or find an area that you want to buy your property in, and just do your 100 house rule. List 100 properties. You will get thousands of properties on, South, on, 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 on private property. So do that research and then go in. And, and the thing is, don't doubt yourself. If, it's, if, if you having that, that small voice telling you this is for you, do not doubt it. Don't think too much, just do it. I, I, can, I can certainly confirm to visitor, viewers at home, we did not pay Echo to, to, to make sure that he talks about private property and the incredible work that we do. One last question, Echo, this one coming in from Justin Smith, who asks, am I able to apply for a home loan if I'm blacklisted? Okay, so there are two ways. You can, yes and no. If you're blacklisted, depending on what you blacklisted, 
for, you will be able to get. Because what, what I do with my client is that if a client is blacklisted, depending on whatever category that they're in, I then start a course with them. I train them, I, give, I teach them how to get out of that, of, of, of that financial uh, trap. So get out of it, it takes about six months, work out a, um, a payment structure, you speak to the bank, you speak to some, most people go through the debt counseling role, which is also good, but the banks, to be, you will be amazed that the bank will be there to listen to you if you go with the right approach. And they will hold your hand in telling you, if you pay this, if you give us this, if you give us that, we are going to give you. It's very difficult for a bank to come out and say, you are blacklisted and I'm going to give you 100%. That just doesn't happen. But they can show you ways, it might take longer, but they can show you ways where you can come out of that uh, trap that you're in and then get the loan that you're looking for. Eko, we're going to wrap it up there for this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, and by the way, People can also follow me on my YouTube channel. Basically, it's Property Ask Echo. And I, I just talk about property. That's what we do. And share ideas on how we, we, you can profit or create a legacy out of property. So that's Property Ask Echo. We'll also yes. share uh, his contact details right here below uh, this particular stream. So you can reach out to Echo if you need any of his services. That's been Echo Pagre, who is the founder of B Grand Holdings. And we're talking about the different tips that you need when you are dealing with the banks. We're going to be back just after this. We're giving away that 5,000 Rand prize. I'm sure many of you are watching and with beta breath, hoping that you're going to walk away with that prize. You don't have to wait too much longer. We'll be announcing that lucky winner just after this.